Hey everyone, and welcome to Was That Really Necessary? The podcast where we explore remakes, reboots, sequels, and prequels by weighing them against the originals and asking, was that really necessary? I'm Zach Buell, and with me as always is my lovely and talented co-host Paul Abishan. How are you now? I'm good. Well, if you haven't heard this show before, what we do is we watch a movie, and then either it's a reboot or remake or a sequel or a prequel that was made about ten years after it, and then we uh, try to weigh them against each other and figure out if they were, you know clearly made with the intention of an artistic expression or if this was somebody at the studio going hey you know what the kids will love these days nostalgia and (laughs) this week we get to dive right into peewee's big adventure and peewee's big holiday peewee's big adventure coming out in 1985 peewee's big holiday coming out in 2016 yeah um so as we do always We'll just jump right into Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, I get the joy of explaining the plot to you, and I think it's best succinctly put as when an eccentric man-child, Pee-wee Herman, gets his beloved bike stolen in broad daylight, he sets out across the U.S. on the adventure of his life. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's it's just kind of a... it's it, it, th- th- There's not really any plot. No, no. I mean, his bike is stolen, and he wants to find his bike. It's... Very, um, it's a Wizard, road of, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it, it, a it's thing? a road trip movie. Yeah, it, it's just him. It's just a. It's a. It's a weird series of vignettes that are kind of disconnected sketches that are just sort of his journey and how he's trying to find his bike. That's really about it. And, and I think you just put it perfectly. It's a series of sketches. It's it's him putting himself into various situations, and it's just kind of like, well, how do I get from one thing to another? Oh, well, I lost this bike. And there's some, I mean, great characters throughout it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan, I think it's a lot of fun. It is yeah. what it is. It's a, it's based off his character's Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yep. It's very Pee-wee-esque. Um, yeah, at the so, height of his, at the height of the Pee Wee career. Yeah, it, it starts off, you know, Paul Rubens playing Pee Wee Herman uh, in a couple of sketch shows. He creates the character and it becomes this big thing. He ends up with Pee Wee's Playhouse, which is uh, he runs as a few theater sh- theatrical shows, and they actually start a literal TV series. There was an HBO special, and they approach and they say, "Hey, we'd love to do a movie." And at first, he was actually pretty apprehensive about doing this, saying that he didn't really know how to put. Pee-wee's Playhouse into a movie format, which it kind of makes sense. There's not really an overarching plot to him. Um, And instead, what they do is they just say, all right, what we're going to do is give you kind of this overarching theme. He and a couple of other writers come up with this idea that it's really just going to be a series of sketches, but they tie it together with a thinly veiled plot of his bike being lost. So I'm going to I'm going to step back on one second because you glossed over something, in my opinion. You said him and a couple writers. Let's talk about just specifically well, one of those writers. I, mean, I wasn't going to bring it up until the end oh, of who but, that was. but we but, did. But, so, so Phil Hartman. It's Phil Hartman, other, guys. I mean, Phil Hartman was, wrote, <laughs> was, was one of the main writers, along with Paul Rubens and Michael Verrill. Um, and it was... It was the, oh, this wasn't Upright Citizen Brigade. It was... Was it Second City that he created this? It was one of the major sketches. Yes. Like sketch comedy troops yes, i don't remember it was, it was and they were both he and Fart, hartman phil hartman fartman apparently <laughs> uh were together on that and that's why where they kind of came up with the genesis of this character i mean yeah in looking at the cast list and i don't mean to go over but there's so many people from that second city saturday oh, yeah, Night live yeah. era from um the mid 80s that that really get brought into this so i, I cut you off but we we can't just yeah. call these guys some right yeah i was gonna get to it but uh <laughs> I mean, I mean, realistically, 
what this movie is is you just being able to watch Paul Rubens throw a whole bunch of shit, at, crazy shit at the wall and see what sticks. That's really what this entire movie is. Um, it is just, you know, there, there, there's not, there's a very thinly veiled plot to just have fun with this character. So a couple of things that I want to get off right off, right off the bat. We'll we'll talk through some of these scenes because there are some really classic ones and things like that. Um, but one of the the things that strikes you right away about this movie is the Danny Elfman score. So again, it, actually, in b- backing up a step there, I'll, I'll cut myself off this time. Backing up a step, we are would be remiss if we didn't mention this is the directorial debut of a man named Tim Burton. And if you guys don't know who he is. I don't know how I can help you here. Um, The the man created Nightmare Before Christmas, didn't direct it, but created it. Um, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, most recently the Alice in Wonderland movie. Dumbo is currently out in theaters right now. I think that was him directing it. You know, all these, the the guy's a, a, you know, milestone director. This is his first movie. He had been an animator, had done a few like random shorts. He had worked for Disney and Disney was kind of like, I don't know what to do with you. You're kind of weird and quirky. You don't really fit our aesthetic, but um, maybe direct this Pee Wee movie. Yeah, mate. (laughs) See what you do with this little boy. And if you do well with this, we'll give you something better. So you really get to see his ability as a comedic director being able to, he stages these jokes really well. You actually see a little bit of his animator stuff come through. There's a couple animated scenes, but also just in the way he knows how to set up jokes and how to set up things like that. It's, it's very interesting to see like you, you start to see a little bit of the Burton aesthetic come through, and like some of the dream sequences that happen. It's just, it's, it's kind of interesting seeing that. He, of course, is a huge fan of Oingo Boingo because what weirdo in the '80s wouldn't have been a huge fan of Oingo Boingo? So he brings in Danny Elfman to score this movie. It's Danny Elfman's first score. Now, again, if you guys don't know who he is, watch a Tim Burton film. You've heard Danny Elfman, but he also created the Simpsons theme. The I man was say, is most like, people know the Simpsons. If, yeah. you, if you say Danny Elfman and they don't know who you're talking about, just say uh, he wrote the Simpsons theme song, and people are like, "Oh, that guy." Yep. And you know, when I, to me, when I look at other Tim Burton films compared to this i really look at big fish oh yeah for some like this was really big fish for me in, oh yeah in a yeah. in a comparison to other ones because it's not a dark movie you can't compare this to his darker stuff but yeah. definitely like that that kind of bright colorful that whimsical mm-hmm. that in a more oddball goofy way rather yeah. than um i think was big fish was definitely more of a love story and, and yeah. so forth but this in a, in a comedic kind of goofball sense had that obviously outside of the box of reality but that's that feel to it for me it's kind of got an ed wood sensibility ed wood obviously is shot in black and white so you don't get the color palette but again from that goofy almost whimsical rather than like dark and mm-hmm. spooky burtony type of stuff which he excels at so you you start watching this movie and that score comes through the danny elfman just in pure insanity it's right this big banging too. scores and it's just like this is Pee Wee herman distilled into a song i mentioned this last time because he scored spider-man we talked about yep. it and how he's really good at writing character scores he does it again nails it perfectly just it's awesome and then Wee jumps out of his bed does this crazy rube goldberg contraction that goes and creates his his breakfast for him you know you've got a, a toy dinosaur squeezing the orange juice out of the orange and all you know, just all kinds of crap like that very peewee's playhouse very peewee's playhouse and he walks out of his house and says hi to a couple of neighbors and says like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna water my plants now and he turns on and it's just this you know giant flailing sprinkler that sprays all his neighbor's house and the reason why i bring this up is because throughout the entire movie you just kind of get this sense of like 
Pee Wee Herman is just this weird character that everybody just seems to know and accept. You yeah. don't know what he does. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything, as far as you can tell. But he goes, he's known by first name and is friends with and has stuff on reserve at the gag gift slash, like, magic shop. Like, his neighbors are just like, oh, Pee-wee's just going to spray my house down with water. Better close the windows. You know, like, everybody, and everybody says hi to him. And they're just like, oh, well, there's that eccentric weirdo Pee-wee. I'm going to just give him the finger guns and keep going about my day. It really brings up a question. What the fuck is (laughs) Pee-wee? I feel like if I pulled that on my neighborhood, my my, my car would probably be set on fire. Right? (laughs) My neighbors would would not be as okay with, yeah, with just kind of the antics that that he's going through. But again, this is why it's Tim Burton. It's out of the box. It's that. Well, and and Paul Rubens, he he means for this character to just be this wacky man-child. That, mean, that doesn't mean anything, but everybody loves. And throughout the movie, that's just, just recurring theme. He uh, befriends the person that picks him up in hitchhiking, who turns out to be a serial killer or whatever. We, as far as we know, he's an escaped convict. And within five minutes, he's helped him get through a police barricade by dressing up as a very unconvincing woman, who the police officer then set, tells him to get out of the car and says, just like, I just wanted to get a look at that cute little outfit. And suddenly, they're best friends. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's just amazing. The, throughout the entire movie, he just he befriends bikers by dancing to tequila in that famous scene. You know, like he I just love that. it's everything. It's, it's my does. favorite scene of the whole of the obviously the whole yeah. movie. It's just it's just so weird. So like as I'm going through watching this movie, I just keep thinking like it makes no sense. He's so weird. He's such a weird man child. He just why, why does everybody like him? What does he do that everybody loves him? Dottie is in love with him. You know, like just I like love Dottie. and I love Dottie too. And it just. It, I found myself knowing that on the surface of this understanding, you're just supposed to put that in the back of your mind. You're not supposed to no, dissect No, you're not this. supposed to question any but of this. But that just made me question it more. See, I <laughs> I think maybe I just dumbed myself down when watching this because I didn't question. I'm just like, yeah, that's Pee-wee. <laughs> and I think that's what you're supposed to do. Obviously, you know Pee-wee's Playhouse. There's supposed to be some, you know, you're not supposed to go into this blind. You're supposed to be yeah, accepting. Like, yes, this is Pee-wee. The, the character. The guy just hit. wakes up and tapes his face. And then makes funny noises at himself in the mirror. Because he's, he's a man-child. He is a man-child. I don't know why, but Mark Holton's character, I I love him. I love him, but yeah. I want to just like punch him in the face. <laughs> I I like Mark Holton as a character actor. For those of you guys who who aren't, it's not for sale, Francis. It's, it's not for sale, Francis. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know who Mark Holton is, he was uh, my favorite. Is he is Stuell Angel as an adult from A League of Their Own? Oh man, oh, uh, I didn't even think of that. I see. I always think of him as the the one remaining like sort of continuity thread between most of the Leprechaun movies. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, was he also? Was it Teen Wolf? Um, yes, it was Teen Wolf. <laughs> he was the basketball player in Teen Wolf. But no, actually, I'll be honest, up until later, I when I first saw League of Their Own, I was like, oh, it's Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yeah, I always see him but as Francis. He's, I don't know why, but he is the, the quintessential man baby. And he's, he's Pee Wee's um, next-door neighbor in this that is jealous of Pee Wee's bike, that really wants it, and is first suspected of stealing the bike. Pee-wee has the great scene where he fights him in the bathtub pool 
and it is just amazing that he's just you know playing around in this giant bathtub. They have a great fight scene. It's terrible, uh, and then as it's revealed that yes, Francis did actually pay somebody to steal Pee Wee's bike, but then at that point there's too much heat on it. He tells him to just get rid of it, and the bike is gone, and that starts this road trip of Pee Wee trying to find out. Because they tell him the bike is where they Pee Wee goes to a fortune teller. Which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you look at the fortune tellers? Uh, if anybody else has watched these with us, um, he goes to a fortune teller, and her sign says "Palms Red Tarot Cards Income Tax." Returns. Yeah, I was gonna say, and does your income taxes? So brilliant trilogy right there of just things to do. Um, but she tells him that it is in the Alamo in the, the basement. basement. So he then has to get to the Alamo, thus starting the road trip that he goes off on. This is Um, how it all gets started. Someone tells him he needs to go somewhere. So he needs to find the basement to the Alamo. Yep. Um, So then he gets picked up by uh, Mickey as the, uh, you know, uh, escaped convict that kind of goes with him uh, through some some adventures. They end up having that brilliant scene where he's dumped in the desert and a whole bunch of taxidermied animals are around him and scare him (laughs) with a couple of live animals in there. It's it's hilarious. Uh, And then he encounters probably this thing gave me nightmares as a child. It is the probably most Tim Burton scene of the movie but he encounters large marge i love large marge large marge is a ghost trucker that he discovers she picks him up she takes him there and tells him that large marge sent him um she describes a terrible accident and says and he looked like this and it face turns into this stupid claymation thing which just terrified me as a kid and then he finds out that large marge was dead um the whole time she was dead the whole time she didn't <laughs> fucking blink once yeah she didn't blink yeah, throughout the entire thing she it was never a, an incredible blinked. thing he then gets uh after he eats he realizes that he lost his wallet so he has to wash some dishes and they have the great set piece of being set near the dinosaurs which i always wondered where those are they're at the wheel in restaurant in cabazon california near palm springs they are absolutely iconic the yeah. minute you know not only from Wee's big adventure but any road trip movie that yeah. takes place in california stops at these fucking dinosaurs yep. like you just yep. you just know where they are <laughs> he eventually gets to texas and has another one of my favorite scenes, which is when he's talking to Dottie on the payphone, and he says, "She says, where are you?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in Texas." And she says, "Oh, really? How do I know?" And he goes, just screams out the uh, the phone booth. The stars at night are big and bright, and everybody on the road just stops and claps and says, "Deep in the heart of Texas," <laughs> and it's just so profoundly stupid that he does that. I love that, and honestly, I Jan hooks as oh, just. That- as the tour Impro- guide. Improvising her entire scene, basically, as an Imp- Alamo tour guide. Oh, my gosh. She was so good. Again, if you don't know who Jan Hooks was, she was Saturday Night Live alumni. Yeah. Um, she's amazing. You would know her face. But yeah. she was great in that scene. Yeah. And then from there, he goes into the biker scene. And, again, there's no plot to speak of, so we're just kind of describing the scenes. But this is the other famous. It's the tequila scene. So he goes in to a biker bar and shouts at them that he's trying to use the phone, which is great. (laughs) Big Mama, Biker Mama, whatever her name is, comes over, who is, by the way, Elvira out of makeup. Uh, She comes over, and they threaten him, and he says he makes a last request, and that is to play tequila on the jukebox and dance in platform shoes on the bar, which then, as per usual, he rocks and instantly becomes friends with all the bikers and then has yet another brilliant scene where he drives the motorcycle right through the billboard. Right through. I mean, just like... 
gets all excited to drive this motorcycle and just yeah. crashes it right away. And yes. then he wakes up in the hospital and has the other very nightmarish Tim Burton-esque scene where the clowns are killing his bike. Um, then he goes to the, he sees his bike on the universal, like some, it's in some movie. And so he goes to the universal, universal back lot to go get his bike back. Has a great chase scene with, uh, featuring Godzilla or not Godzilla. Cause they can't officially <laughs> yeah. say it, I think. Um, but it, it and, uh, twisted sister and Milton Berle. And there's just all kinds of random cameos. Eventually he gets the bike back and has a really great wrap up scene at the drive-in theater. Uh, which has like all of the different characters coming back and reprising their roles, and you get to watch James Brolin and Morgan, uh, Fairchild. Morgan Fairchild as Pee Wee brought to life, and he has his amazing cameo where he can't stop looking at the camera and is just yeah. paging Mister Herman. Come in, Mister Herman. <laughs> it's it's very Pee Wee esque at the end, yeah. kind of like oh, let's get everybody together again. They have the, they do I do like the big shot through the Warner Brothers studio, yeah. uh, very Blazing Saddles ish. Oh, fact, which is the same thing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> same exact kind of uh, thing uh, that they you know break that fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the star power that they bring to this at yep. the end. Um, Phil Hartman some, has a brief appearance at the very Phil end. Phil Hartman, but but someone like James Brolin, <laughs> and Morgan he's not Fairchild. a he's not a comedy actor. No. James Brolin was a big deal back even yeah. even back then like oh, yeah. he's he's as big of a deal as his son is today yeah um i thought that was really cool that they were able to acquire someone and again it's the 80s yes morgan fairchild even was a big deal then yeah she's a little more dated but you know, and i think most people she, probably hey, don't know who james brolin is but they know who josh brolin is aka thanos like and cable, yeah, from Deadpool. cable like you you know who josh brolin no is his dad him, yeah. was a, an actor before that so kind of a bft he is um he is married to barbara streisand he is yes that's another um, thing. so th- these were some big deal in the 80s yeah. uh, outside of the the comedy genre which is featured throughout the movie mm-hmm. so i thought that was kind of cool that they were able to bring that and they gave kind of peewee some validity back then yeah. amongst the adults uh whereas i remember my dad really liked peewee where as a kid in the 80s you yeah, you were supposed to like Pee Wee, but yeah. to have an adult do that, I think some of these stars, like having Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, and then some of these bigger people really brought that adult audience to Pee Wee, yeah. um, which I think we're still seeing today. So he goes through all of these random, like I said, they're just they're just vignettes. They're just excuses to make jokes most of the time. But what ends up happening is this thing this thing blows up. I mean, Pee Wee was already fairly popular at this point, but then this really, really launches him into the stratosphere in terms of you know like popularity and what comes out of it is just this this weird i don't know it's this weird concept of a movie it's the road trip type of thing you know if you look at it really you know kind of fits into that genre it's just i i I can't stress enough how much i loved this movie as a kid um you know like i said large marge terrified me but i kept coming back to it (laughs) i know you are but what am i has been in Uh. vocabulary since you know like whenever the the peewee herman laughs like this was a huge nostalgia trip for me, and going back and rewatching it held up. I, I, in fact, I noticed more things, especially on like a technical filmmaking level, than I ever had watching this previously. It's a very competently made movie, if not a little amateurish, but it's Tim Burton's first film. Yeah, and it's it's plays to his strengths as a filmmaker, which is he's not a great storyteller. What he is really good at is setting a scene and a tone. And he basically just gets to do that because this entire movie is just like setting up a scene, shooting it, and then moving on to the next one. Yep, and then <laughs> on to the next. No, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, 
this movie only cost six million dollars to make and when i say only <laughs> i you, you look at that is to what they did you know the location it looks incredible looks isn't shot poorly no it's shot incredibly well and it it, it's meant to look like it's shot on these weird little like scenes and back lots and stuff. So yeah. it fits the aesthetic perfectly. It, it, yeah, it just it just looks great. It's so weird and kitschy and Burton-y. <laughs> and it's it, and like I said, you have uh, some actors that kind of did some things. Some that didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really liked. Uh, she goes by E.G. Daly now or Elizabeth Daly. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, if you are the quote unquote millennial, you will recognize her voice as Tommy Pickles from uh, Rugrats. And she was also she's one of the Powerpuff Girls. She isn't was. She, I, I it wasn't my jam, but yes, yeah, she was one of the Powerpuff Girls. She's yeah. a very famous voice actress. Um, if you hear her speak, you're gonna know exactly yeah, who she uh, is she's right Dottie. away. She's yeah. Dottie. Uh, Wee's quote unquote love interest, although uh, Paul Rubens has gone on record as saying that Pee Wee is asexual. So that's why he just watched this whole movie. He just rebukes every advance she has on him. He's just like, meh, just doesn't really care, which is perfect for the character. It just, and I, it I just think that's fits. that's his thing. He doesn't care so women love yeah. him more. I don't know. But yes, he always has women fighting over him, yeah. um, which. There's a funny line in the next movie we're going to talk about regarding yeah. that. But so uh, made for made for six million. What does this do with the box office? Uh, opening weekend abysmal. Um, mm-hmm. Ninety nine thousand. Yep, but uh, I think it, opened it was a, a limited release. limited release. It yeah. was a limited release, but which still. is usually when you have a movie like this that they don't really know what to do with, doesn't really fit into it. Yeah. They just kind of go like, eh, we'll dip our toe in the water, release it on a couple of screens. Gross. Just in the USA alone. Um, this has done over forty million dollars, almost forty one million dollars, which is crazy crazy when you just look at the comparison between the budget and and where it is we're talking that's a big hit that's yeah a, that's it's a, a hit big money maker which is why they almost immediately greenlit a sequel big top peewee which yes. did not do nearly as well but it didn't and for um, good reason wasn't nearly as good so <laughs> did you get a chance to see what some other assholes thought of this movie <laughs> i did i did this came out in 1985 it was um other movies that if you guys are curious uh, number one was Back to the Future number two was Rambo First Blood Part 2 number three was Rocky 4 so this is a very uh, Stallone heavy year it was a Stallone heavy year Um, so it was kind of curious to see just like what other people thought of it so Rotten Tomatoes critics um, thought 87% loved it um, and thought it was great Uh, audience about 79% so they're pretty pretty steady there Um, people on Amazon they got some varying opinions there so um, I found a five-star review. Is that is that what you'd like to to start with there, Paul? I would love star? to hear what people what the people who liked this had to say about it. So I found one that was titled "Excellent Funny Movie," and it was Pee Wee predated Mr. Bean, but the humor is very similar, very creative, and funny film. Now I don't know if anybody out there has seen Mr. Bean. I don't know that I'd call the humor very similar. And that was where it kind of fell short a little bit on this one, where it was just like, Mr. Bean doesn't talk. Pee-wee's pretty much all talking and jokes and everything. Yeah, I wouldn't. Didn't really get the aesthetic there. But this person drew a clear parallel, loved it. So kudos to them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, in no way, shape, or form does this remind me of Mr. Bean at all. No. Um, what about you, Paul? Did you uh, manage to find a a nice little five-star review in here? I did. I found a five-star review. It was called Good. Um, my daughter loves it. That's it. <laughs> five stars. Five stars. My daughter loves it. Call it good. Go with five stars. How about 
a one-star review. Where did you find it? There weren't that many of them. This is this is a very beloved movie. There were not. There was uh, a, but there were some one-star reviews. So what did you find for one-star? The one, one I uh, was called Why. Okay. Why is this a movie? Question mark. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's succinct. It's it to point, why, why is this a movie? Um, that mean, is a different podcast, though. That's that is, not our podcast. That is not you our podcast. you got to tune into a different one to answer that And question. admittedly, with the way I feel about this, like I said, why does everybody love Pee-wee? I do guess, I, I, I get the question, why is this a movie? I, I do get it, actually. He's not <laughs> entirely wrong, but I don't know if that means it gets a one-star review. I mean, to quote the Big Lebowski, you're not wrong, you're just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Um, I did manage you? to find. I was going to say, did you did, did you did you dive into the depths of uh, Amazon to find a good solid one star that was not bitching about the quality of the disc? Yes, um, and that was the tough part. Is most of the one star reviews were just complaining about how the disc was scratched or something came in packaging these poorly. People get these shitty like I've never had this experience. I don't know, anyway. but uh, they are all over Amazon. This one star review is titled simply "One Star." The person says. Maybe if Elvira had a bigger part, smiley face with sunglasses emoji. That is, this person really loves Elvira. Are they alluding to the fact that she has large breasts? I mean, that's probably the emoji with sunglasses on, I would guess, is just him being like, yeah, that's right, I made a boob joke. Made a boob joke. And then cue the who and David Caruso putting That's on exactly, That is exactly what is going through my head right now. As, I, as I'm hoping to anyone who's listening to this saw that as well. Um, explosions, David Caruso, the whole oh, nine yards. Yeah, anyway, obviously, obviously. yeah, that's um, that's a that's that's a review, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Ultimately, this movie is a weird collection of non sequiturs that shouldn't really work. None, the character shouldn't work. The the movie itself shouldn't work. The the style, the everything they did shouldn't work. The score is by somebody who had never scored a movie before and eventually becomes a huge person doing that. Like. First time filmmaker, everything about this movie should have failed. Yep. And none of it did, somehow. It's this lightning in a bottle. So now we come to 2016 rolls around. Paul Rust, uh, who, if you guys don't know, helps, uh, is the one of the writers who helped revive this. Uh, he approaches Paul Rubens, saying that he loves Pete Herman, helps him write a comeback Broadway that they end up you know writing together and going through that um, Paul Rust has written a bunch of like some of your beloved Arrested Developments uh, shows a bunch of other stuff like that he then gets together with our friend Judd Apatow and they say you know what we need Judd who? Judd, Judd, Judd Apatow um, he uh, I'm trying things? to think you know, he's got some moderate <laughs> success as a stand-up comedian. Oh, right. He also produced everything in the mid-2000s that you think is funny, got like it. 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked oh, Up and guy. all of those guys. Uh, freaks and geeks. <laughs> he, They decide the world needs another Pee Wee movie. And they go to Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens says, yeah, I can get behind that. Netflix says, here's money. <laughs> Here is X money. We don't know how much. And they say, go make us a new Pee Wee. So in 2016, they released Pee-wee's Big Holiday. And Paul, how would you describe Pee-wee's Big Holiday? Well, uh, pretty similar to a lot of other Pee-wee <laughs> movies, to be really honest with you. Uh, so Pee-wee plays Pee-wee Herman. He uh, works in a diner. 
we've seen this before actually kind of kind of a little bit of a callback he lives in a small town called fairville he and the big thing is is just like in the first one everybody knows peewee everybody loves peewee it's really really fucking weird um even the 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 movie opens the exact same way that big adventure does with a dream sequence he gets woken up and then there's this crazy contraption shit that takes him to make like some fucking pancakes or something so then he goes to a continental breakfast in somebody's house. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. And also doesn't eat anything in either of them. Takes like two bites and is and just, just done. Out. Which like, is just a thing, but that's fine. Whatever. Anyway. Again, mystique of the character. <laughs> so the biggest thing is, is he meets Joe Manganiello. See, I learned how to say it. Thank you, Pee-wee. Yeah, Joe there's Manginello. A lot of reoccurring themes between this and the Spider-Man, which is not something I thought we would draw. No, on. <laughs> no, we've done this a few times too with like other actors. It, it, yeah, we pure don't coincidence. Even... We're not planning it like this. No. Um, so he meets Joe Manginello, like Joe Manginello plays Joe Manginello. Yeah, um, which was his idea to play himself originally. Yeah. They had him playing a character, and then he's just like, "Why wouldn't it just be me?" Yeah, and they have so they have like it all kicks off. He pops in the diner, rolling in on his motorcycle. And they have very similar interests to like weird shit. Like he makes him the best milkshake he's ever had. Best milk, and they eat uh, root beer root beer barrels, barrels with best candy. straws. With yeah, anyway, quirky. It, it's it's quirky. <laughs> it, it follows very very much Big Adventure and the other and the TV show and all the things that you've seen. So basically, they hit it off. They're like best friends. Well, Joe Manganiello invites Pee Wee to go to New York for his birthday party. Well, Pee-wee's never left the the city, and people want him to go, and and he leaves, and goes out on this adventure, and starts a road trip movie. Starts a road trip movie, <laughs> just like we've seen before. Um, runs into a a lot of different characters. Runs into a female gang of uh, robbers. Yeah, and um, I don't know one who one of them is, but the two of them are Aaliyah Shockett, Shockwatt, whatever. It, it, she's maybe, maybe from, from Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. And then Stephanie Beatriz, who is, what's her character? Um, she's, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's yes. the, the hard-nosed uh, cop. I can't think of what her name is. Rosa. Thank you. Rosa uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which, by the way, it took me a second to realize that was her because she's in a blonde wig and doing her normal, very bubbly voice. Yeah, totally. Not the, like, deadpan. Totally normal. different. Yeah. Um, he does meet um, – we, we do have some callbacks. We have Diane Salinger's back. I was um, happy that she was there playing a new character. A new character. A new fun um, character. Yep. No callbacks to Large Marge, which I was kind of disappointed in. Yeah. Uh, but you have like David Arquette is in this. Um, if you ever watched the show Justified, Coover is yes. in there, which I just I love that show anyway. But yeah, he's there. In there. Uh, there's a lot of callbacks. Um, Brad William Hankey is in it. He is uh, most recently, I would guess, known for playing uh, Piscatelli in Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been in quite a few things since then. Well, that's, uh, that's he was. In, I liked him in Split. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, he really, really great in that one. Yep. Um, let's see this, just a lot of different kind of like we had been talking about. So without kind of beating the dead horse, the, the, really the funny part for me is the end when Joe Manganiello's like, 
in his room crying because Pee-wee can't get down there. He's stuck down a well. Yeah, he's just he's he's just pouting in his room because Pee-wee isn't at this party that he invited him to. And it's just like the, his assistant comes up and it's just name dropping like, oh, well, Elton's downstairs yeah. waiting for you. And he's like, Elton John? And she's like, yes, I still can't go down there. And he's just playing this very emasculated man and he is known for playing this very very masculine individual yeah. and it's just very funny to watch him play this character yeah um and peewee's a uh, peewee's peewee like there wasn't yeah. anything for me just to be really honest with you for me there wasn't anything for me that stood out as like oh that one there was no large march for me there yeah. was no yeah iconic scene that i'm like oh i will remember that scene for a long time my take on this especially when i was first watching it um is just watching and looking at it like okay so he wakes up from a dream sequence there's a weird again rube goldberg machine that just kind of takes him through creating his breakfast um there's a score that isn't quite danny elfman you can, ch- you can it, they're trying it just everything initially felt very much like this was a it, it was just trying to be a peewee movie and it's in capable hands i thought and i was just kind of i was at the beginning i was disappointed because it felt like it was just trying too hard to rehash a peewee movie it felt forced as it built it did grew on me and especially now looking on looking back on it it wasn't a great movie by any means but it was fun it was handled by people that you could tell gave a shit about it they didn't um, just they, they were trying to remake it, but not out of a like, oh man, we should do this as a money grab. This was a like, you know what? We love Pee Wee, and I want to bring this character back. Now, my main gripe about it is Paul Rubens is old. Yes. So they they did a bunch <laughs> to digitally de age him. It kind of gives him that uncanny valley ish. It, it kind of looks like you're watching him through a Snapchat filter in some yep, regards. It um, does. It's not as smooth or as. Um, let's just say they're not doing it with Marvel money. No, and it's also one of my biggest gripes about it too is watching him play this. He's got the facial tics down. He's kind of got still some of the you know like the goofy mannerisms that he has. Yep. His voice sounds old. I mean, he, Pee-wee just kind of yeah. sounds old and tired, and it was just like. That was part of the joy of listening to Pee Wee. He doesn't quite have the same voice anymore. What you expect when the dude put when it's twenty eight years afterwards right. and guys pushing sixty, I believe. Like it just, it, it. I liked it and I wanted to like it more. I just, I don't know. It didn't quite feel have have exactly what I wanted. There were some really funny things. Um, I loved the he gets picked up by a traveling salesman who sells kitschy shit as a nice kind of callback to the the yep. the magic shop from the first one and he has a gag where it's a fake thing of groceries that's stuck a bag of groceries stuck to his uh, his car roof I love and it. somebody rolls past him and says hey you've got uh, groceries on your on your car and he rolls up his window and it says fake grocery you know like buy it or whatever and then a group of hispanic people walk by and it say in spanish you have groceries on the top of your roof and he rolls up the window the same window that was there before and it's suddenly in spanish yes <laughs> and it says to buy it there i was like that is just a stupid little like throwaway gag but that was funny so to me like it in a, in a very good very positive positive way um it felt very peewee slash mel brooksy like i was like that's that's the peewee herman that i like where yep. i feel like they originally even pull from that mel brooks and i feel like i wouldn't be doing peewee 
justice if I didn't bring that Mel Brooks into this. Yeah, it's, in some form or fashion. When you look at these movies and kind of some of the influences that were taken from some of his other work to kind of bring that to this. And to your per- earlier point, like when we went through the Big Adventure, we're talking about all these scenes, and you're describing the whole scene. You're like, oh man, you know the biker scene is great because he does the tequila gag and all this, you know, and then he he knocks over all the bikes initially. Then it's into tequila. Then it's you know in him riding off into the the billboard immediately. Like it's just you know these great amazing gags. And all I can remember from this movie is like, there's a line where the farmer says to him, "Hey, would you like to say a few words?" And he says, "Encyclopedia pimple hairball." <laughs> All right, it's a funny, funny joke, but that's what I remember. I don't remember the full scene of it. I remember right. these weird little, like, you know, random things. Uh, when, he ta- when he first meets Joe, he says, let's say chocolate, and they both go, chocolate, chocolate. in the same time. You know, like, it's uh, funny little lines, funny little gags, but, again, you don't, until the very end, I felt, when he falls into a well when he's right outside of Joe's birthday party, and then there's, like, th- that's a good scene, good give and take, but it just kind of, I don't know. It, it was funny little parts, but not as a whole. It didn't really yeah. like work for me, and it, I wanted it to. I really did. Um, I liked that his disguise trick worked again. Yes, <laughs> like, I see. There were certain disguise. things that they call back, and Joe yeah. asked him at one point, "Have you ever had two women fight over you?" And he like thinks for a minute, and then goes, "No." And in the, I think that's that the po- whole that's the whole plot of Big Top Pee Wee. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> um, for those of you, yes, who haven't seen Big Top Pee Wee, two two women yeah. are fighting over him throughout the whole movie. So it's it's those kind of very subtle callbacks. Mm-hmm. I will be honest. I was looking for more hard callbacks. Yeah, I would really wanted. Uh, I really wanted Mark Holton to make an appearance. He's still an active actor. I wanted yeah. E.G. Daly to make an appearance. She's not doing shit, but some voice work. I mean, I would, I was, I was expecting, yeah, a Tim Burton cameo. I was expecting who has a cameo in the first one as one of the guys that jumps him in the alley, right? And then you know, like, yeah. But I was expecting, and again, I agree with you. I think you put it perfectly. The people who did this clearly cared about. Pee-wee. Paul, Judd Apatow clearly cares about the character. They wanted to do justice. Mm-hmm. I think I personally wanted a little bit more out of this. I wanted a little bit more cohesion. I, I agree. I think the transition seemed forced. Um, but it still did have that out of the box. None of this is like this is all goofy as shit. Yeah. I can't take this crazy seriously right now. And it one of the things that I'll give it credit where credit is due. For this movie, um, it is it is fun. It is just kind of entertaining yep. to to sit there and watch. Um, Joe Manganiello, Joe Manganiello kills it. Dude is he's fun he as is. hell. He, and he he and Pee Wee as friends. There's a few weird random like little dream interludes where they're in slow motion and speaking in Spanish about yes. the birthday. And it's those are hilarious. And the the best part, the best, the, I think the two best parts of the movie are the the parts where they are together. Yes. And everything else just doesn't work as well. But the the final scene when Joe Mang- Manganiello just pulls out a freaking grappling hook <laughs> and then just grapples onto a tree out his window like it's just there's just so much goofiness that works so well there and then just kind of it loses momentum yes it just doesn't it isn't able to keep that up and Joe Manganiello's part by the way was originally going to be the rock and he unfortunately was not able to do this, so they ended up with Joe. I would have rather seen Joe Manganiello than The Rock. I think The Rock... I I, I think it could have worked, but I'm not displeased with the way Joe yeah, I have there. 
Joe Manganiello to me has always played, or I've only seen him or heard of him or watched him in serious roles. Yeah, True never, Blood or anything yeah. like that, where he's the, the overly masculine. The, this of, yeah. overly masculine, even recently when he's playing Deathstroke, he's going to be yeah. the new Deathstroke, is a very, you know, yeah. Slade Wilson is very, very hard. Yeah. Um, where this, it, it shows a whole new light. And I was going to say, I actually have a whole new respect oh, for yeah. him as an for actor, sure. as maybe even a human being. I don't know the guy. Um, I know he's married to Sofia Vergara. That's about yeah, it. That's really all I knew, too. <laughs> um, but it, it, I think if The Rock had done it, I've already seen that side of The Rock, it wouldn't have done as much for me because I've already seen some goofy rock movies. I've seen The Tooth Fairy. I've seen I, The Rundown. The I've Rundown. Seen, yeah. I, we've seen that before. Yeah. I think to bring that more, like I said, more masculine um, actor and kind of, take that away in some regards and make him this goofy sad it just character would have been better than the rock yeah i wouldn't have i would not have been as impressed with the rock um and honestly i don't know how could this will bring us into the next i don't think they're gonna fucking afford the rock for this yeah well and that's that's a good point um we so moving on to budget. I mean, this was released on Netflix. So Paul, we got nothing. <laughs> Netflix, um, as most of you know uh, or may have known, Netflix is notoriously tight-lipped for. I mean, up to how many subscribers they have, how much they spend on things. So there really is not a lot of information. Obviously, there is no box office for this. None. Um, this no which, budget. <laughs> which again really drives home that this was made for Pee Wee fans by Pee Wee fans. This was yep. not. Not uh, put out for movie tickets. This was basically made and said, "Here you go, people who already have Netflix or steal their friends' Netflix accounts or whatever." I mean, this is up there with the big box or the bird boxes bird box, and yeah. um, some of the other only Netflix movies that have have had big cast members and big stars and don't get that box office release. Yeah, I mean, it comes out in 2016, Rogue One, Finding Dory, and Captain America Civil War, the top three in the box office there. Um, it does still get critically you know, reviewed and acclaimed. I mean, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes has it. Critics loved it at 80% clip, uh, which was good enough to certify it fresh. The audience liked it slightly lower at about 62%. Um, but it's, it's still pretty well revered, does pretty well. Actually. I mean, maybe a different podcast for a different day, but I, I mean, you saw it this year at the Oscars with Roma. Yeah. There's nothing that should keep a Netflix movie out of being an acclaimed movie just because yeah. it came out on Netflix. Doesn't should not sway one way or another how quote unquote good the movie is. So I mean, hell yeah, this movie was acclaimed. Yeah, and I mean, so as we mentioned, you know, multiple times happens on Netflix. That means it's actually we couldn't find any Amazon reviews for it. But yeah. lo and behold, we both were resourceful enough to go out and find some IMDb reviews for this. So, Paul, I'm going to put the ball in your court this time. I'm going to put the Paul in your court. Give me a five-star review for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Or awesome. Big Holiday, sorry. Big so, holiday. We, we, this is going to open some boxes and maybe even bring to some conversations, but I agreed with this five-star review on, mm-hmm. on a variety of levels. Um, so it goes a little something like this. This one really brought back memories for me. Pee-wee Herman has been gone for too long. I am very happy to see Paul Rubens making Pee-wee Herman movies again. What happened to that poor man was so unfair. He never really did anything wrong, and he paid a huge price for it. If you hated the old Pee-wee Herman movies, this one will not turn you into a fan. But for those who love this character, this movie is a real treat. 
Yes, it is corny and goofy, but it isn't that what Pee Wee Herman is supposed to be. It doesn't have any profound messages. It is just a lot of fun and a movie that you can watch with your kids. We'll circle back around to uh, to what Paul Rubens, but I, I, agree. I agree. I feel like I good. wrote this, yeah. to be really honest. It does feel pretty good. Um, what about you? Did, did, did someone equally really find this movie good? Uh, um, somebody says they've watched it a dozen times. And I just thought this was kind of funny. They say, one of Pee-wee's best movies. Very rewatchable. The addition of Joe Manganiello was amazing. I love the fact that they just say one of Pee-wee's best movies. Yeah. I'd put it at top three. Because there, there are definitely three movies. Top three. Definitely top three. <laughs> it's very solidly top oh, three. Fucking top three, dude. <laughs> I just I just love that. Yeah, one of one of his best. One, one of Pee-wee's best. best. I, I'm not going to say his best, but, you know, it's up Does there. Does he it's think... Up there. Paul Rubens' real name is Pee-wee? Well, I mean, he is credited as Pee-wee Herman in these <laughs> movies, which makes it kind of funny. Um, how about a one-star review? You got, got anything there? Okay, I'm going to read this as though it was written. Oh, boy. No punctuation. Ooh, cool. Some of the worst green screen work I have seen. Too much green screen used throughout the film. Almost screams laziness from the production script. Needs a lot of work. Great for very young kids. I understand this meant to be stupid, quirky, strange fun, but at least put a small amount of effort. I understand there is a massive base for Pee-wee, but this was for just terrible. Paul is turning bright red after that reading was, that all in one breath, by th- the way. I, I did not miss a word. By the way, well well done. Thank you. Uh, that, that was gibberish but yet that is exactly <laughs> how this was written oh my what about you i i mean can you do it in two breaths uh this one actually has punctuation so i'm gonna read it as written okay. uh it's titled rot um this person i had never heard of peewee before and now i know why wouldn't show this to my nuts let alone eight to twelve year olds as recommended this peewee character's stupid ass demeanor makes me cringe i literally could feel my brain cells depleting every time i heard his hua of a laugh he he I'm 10 minutes in now and regret living. Anyone that finds this utter tri- utter tripe, I think they, I think they mean utter tripe, uh, surely needs to be checked in the head. Rat poison would be funnier to watch. I'm going to turn it off now because I've had a... N- they just cut it off there. Oh, I see what they did there. Ha, 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 ha. N- um, so this person... That guy hates has life. somehow never heard of Pee-wee before. Uh, whatever. Anyway, millennials, they, man. I, that that person. Then you know man. that person is like twenty five. Yeah. They wear a fucking fedora and suspenders with <laughs> jean shorts, and instead of a TV, they sit around and watch a fucking birdcage. They they are they are hipsters to the fucking max, and that person should die. I don't mean that literally. No, that, obviously not. But we don't condone death. We do not show. condone death. Um, <laughs> that person though really hates life, and they they kind of need to just let go a little just bit. Just like, have cool. a little fun, man. Yeah, it's, it's fun. just a goofy movie. Wow, um, that was I, I've never snapped back at a comment. Yeah, but you felt the need to do this I one. I did. Do you want to respond to him? I can send you the link. No, you can I'm to just this as you're reading this, I'm imagining <laughs> this person with like a little pencil mustache, wearing like a fedora, suspenders, and a t-shirt. And cargo boots. And he's also the person that corrects you and tells you it's a trilby, not a fedora. Yeah. 
that person. Maloney. Exactly. <laughs> um, this was Pee-wee's Big Holiday was directed by a guy named John Lee, in case anybody cares. Um, he's done episodes of Wonder Shows and Inside Amy Schumer, Broad City, and a whole lot of garbage. Um, that is my one major complaint about Pee-wee's Big Holiday was just that it just didn't, it wasn't as competently directed. When you're watching it back-to-back with Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is, again, it's the early Tim Burton, but it's still Tim Burton. Say what you will about him, how his later movies have faltered. I'm a big Burton fan, but he is a very competent director and knows how to shoot it. So even crap like Dark Shadows looks nice. You know, it's just, it, it was it was a little bit of a gripe there. Um, so, I don't think Tim Burton wants to remember Dark Shadows. I don't think, well, Tim Burton, I don't think Tim Burton does remember Dark Shadows, to be perfectly honest with you. He, um, that, that movie was phoned in, but that's, that is for a whole other podcast i i think uh, and by the really way i looked it up that. as we're talking here paul rubens is 66 years old yeah dude's old he is he they really really digitally altered oh, yeah. him mm-hmm. um you can actually find some before and after pictures online of that process when i was digging around in some of this um now going back to something that you touched on in your review there we'd be remiss if we didn't say this um for those of you that don't know part of the reason why Wee disappeared was because paul rubens in the early 90s late 80s yeah, or early 91. 90s 91 um was sort of very maligned because he was caught publicly uh, exposing himself. And they didn't even say that. He just had his hand. They thought he was. They thought he was. What actually happened was, for those of you that didn't grow up in this time or don't remember this, back in the uh, like 70s, 80s, and 90s, before the real big rise of home video, they would have porn theaters. You could go and watch skin flicks, in quotes, at a theater with 50 of your strangest non-friends, and go watch porn on a big screen. Yep. That was a thing. That and was a he thing. was caught there, which, and he was caught supposedly masturbating. Again, it was kind yeah, of Yeah, he was visiting his parents in, like, Sarasota, Florida. Yep. And, and got bored and was like, I'm I'm in the oldest people city in the world. It smells like fucking mothballs. I might as well go watch some porn, I guess. So he went and watched porn and supposedly masturbated to it in a place where like of all places to do it i guess that's probably the one safe place you would suspect but was caught there and then was kind of pseudo blacklisted for a while where they just kind of didn't want him to do anything now as many there are a lot of retrospectives on this you can actually go and find some of the interesting stories in there he was much maligned for something that i mean yeah it's kind of gross i will admit that but at the same time like he didn't. He wasn't going out and like exposing his genitals to kids, but it was very. He was made to seem like a sexual predator. Yeah, and that's I think the thing. While. The biggest thing is he was made to seem like he was this sexual predator um, that, that was yeah exposing himself in public or jacking off on the street. Like it. it I mean, even especially today. I mean, you have the fucking internet. I mean, this this never would have even been you know a thing. You just maybe I don't know sneaking in parents' yeah. bathroom. Think about how many nude pictures have leaked from other celebrities and stuff like that and it's not ruining it so it was an unfortunate turn of events again you say what you will about he was if he was actually public masturbating whatever but still like he he kind of was very maligned on unjustifiably i think just because that was something that didn't happen at that point so it was kind of unfortunate but he has since bounced back and the character of peewee lives on so and you you made a great point earlier that he even all of the peewee movies he never credits himself as paul rubens yeah it's always peewee it's always peewee herman so i think that there was a a large group of people that really didn't know the difference between peewee herman and paul rubens because paul rubens even after the fact was still showing up in work he was still working did buffy the vampire slayer in 1992 
and one year after. Like, and I mean, he followed up him, and he was Mister Cobblepot in Batman Returns. Yeah. there were he was still used. I mean, even up till Blow, which was yeah. in the early two thousands, he's been in a lot of things. Pee Wee Herman has not been in a lot of things, Until but Paul recently, Rubens yeah. has been. Yeah. Um, actually steadily acting in several things I mean, his his credit list did not stop after 1991 so it was nice to to see him revisit the character yes. after some unfortunate events um well now is the time where we actually get into the breakdown of the two movies kind of pitting them against each other so we break it down into five different categories cast acting direction slash script production value and then enjoyment value so let's break it down into cast 1985 versus 2016, Big Adventure versus Big Holiday. Who you got in this race? Who, who, who are you feeling? For I case? got 1985. 1985? Um, I, I think Joe Manginello can't carry a whole cast, especially when he's only in the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they use some star power, but I, I didn't think they were characters yeah. like there were in the first one. You didn't have a Francis. You didn't have a large Marge. You didn't yeah. have some of those just goofiest shit characters that you had in the first one so that's that's me i agree with that um and then that dovetails nicely into acting which i have to go with 1985 i have to go to big adventure um i I think that people were it's not that people didn't love what they were doing in big holiday it's just that in big adventure it was so new and so fresh and so weird it was just such a unique vision everybody was on board with it i really just loved the acting in peewee's big adventure versus big holiday I agree with you, actually. So this one I was really torn about yeah. because I, I while I, I contradict myself saying Joe Manginello can't carry a whole movie, I almost really enjoyed his, seeing him in that different light, as I, as I had mentioned earlier. But mm-hmm. again, I don't think those few scenes really carried the whole movie for me. Mm-hmm. So I really do still give it to that 1985. Um, but I was, I'm really torn on this. Like I had some notes and I was kind of going through and it was really torn, but I do, I do have to, I think agree with you in the end that the 1985, they were just committed. They were there having, you could tell they were there having fun. Yeah. Whereas like I mentioned, I think a few times that I think this one just felt a little forced. Yep. Um, direction script. I'll just, I mean, for me, it's 1985 hands down. I just, it's just a, it's not that, it's not that Big Holiday wasn't fun. It's just Big Adventure. It's just it's the, one of those impossible lightning in a bottle. Everything came together and was so good, randomly. Yeah, it's it's it, twenty eight years from now, nobody will be talking about Big Adventure or Big Holiday. True. We will we will still be talking. Somebody will still be talking about Large Marge, um, the bike in this the, the tequila scene. There's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Production value. I actually give it to the new one. I think so. One of the things that I did notice watching 1985, um, the production value is a lot of fun, but they show up some show some of the close-ups of the the bike, and you can kind of see that a lot of it is just kind of like puttied on there. It's not quite there. It was made on it. The six million dollar budget looks good for six million dollars, but it shows. Yep. The new one had a better production value on it. It just it just felt a little bit more polished i guess which makes sense when you're coming from a first-time filmmaker and you know weird character first time brought to screen so i mean it's hard when you it's hard when you're looking at a movie based on visuals to to even compare 1985 to now just in the quality of film the color spectrum that you can get on film now Mm -hmm. i mean the colors in in holiday just popped there's a lot of bright colors the sun's shining um whereas 
they tried to do that yeah. with with adventure, adventure yeah. but it just the 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 technology wasn't there to capture that brightness that mm-hmm in your face almost uh fake almost not real almost cartoony feel to it so that's why i'm giving it to the to the new one um what about enjoyment value where where, where you at on that I, I actually give it to the first one man the first one to me reminds me of that blazing saddles i'm not going to take this seriously i'm going to sit back i'm going to i'm going to roll one or i'm going to get real baked and i'm just going to enjoy the shit out of this <laughs> um very much blazing saddles for me the new one i just kind of like all right you're gonna get to the party yeah okay i enjoyed the new one but yeah i mean the the old one it just again like i said before it just i loved it i just I went back i had all the nostalgia in the world and this one held up you know like jumanji kind of disappointed us but this one yeah yeah this was this like did not a, pull a jumanji no, on me by not, any means definitely did not pull a jumanji on that so we've gone through a whole lot of stuff here. Um, what are your final thoughts on Big Adventure and uh, Big Holiday? What are, what are your final thoughts on Pee Wee here? Big Adventure will always have kind of a special place. Um, just with me in childhood, remembering where you were, watching it with your dad, um, the tequila scene, yeah. you know, doing the pyramid dance and all of that uh, really stood out for me. This new one doesn't. Um, like I said, the highlight for me was Joe Manganiello. Kind of that that comedic um, back and forth he had with Pee Wee. Pretty much everything in the middle, I don't care. Just to be really honest with you, I, yeah. I could give a shit less. Um, mm-hmm. They tried to throw some actors that I recognize from TV, but again, like, really give a shit about maybe. Um, as a, as a, as a comedian, as a uh, you know, as a human being, I care about her. But yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. in that essence, like I'm not like, oh my god, a lot of swaggets in this. Yeah. I gotta go see it. Um, it, it. Call it nostalgia. Call it just yeah. Tim Burton, Danny Elfman. You you now listening to that? You, you that first scene, you hear that music, and it's just like yeah, I know this. I don't yep. know it, but I know this. <laughs> um, I I mean, I really really brought back some feels and just kind of remember like fuck this was good this was good stuff um yeah that's kind of my final thoughts how about how about yours i mean you summed it up pretty amazingly i feel like we're not really disagreeing on anything in the show because this is exactly how i like i said i just my heart i felt like the grinch my heart grew three sizes as soon as i started watching and as soon as i was able to kind of sit there and just be like holy shit i love this like hearing that score watching all these amazingly weird things that Burton brought to screen it just made me just so fucking happy and the new one made me happy to see Pee-wee again but it made me a little disappointed that it was it wasn't even that it was bad it was just not good and it's tough to watch these back to back and it's tough to like kind of go in there and compare the two it's not really fair to compare them but that's exactly what this whole podcast <laughs> is is us comparing the shit out of stuff literally what we're doing so it, it, it was good i i you know my final thoughts are just like i'm happy that they both exist in two very different ways because hopefully the new one if nothing else gets people to go and watch big adventure again mm-hmm. fuck big top <laughs> well, so all that being said paul we gotta ask the question was peewee's big holiday really necessary no no this this movie was not necessary we didn't this movie did not have to get made this movie 
really d- brought I think really little to Peewee other than it reminded Peewee to, to go watch a better Peewee the only reason that I even toyed with saying yes to this was because it is not a cash grab they put it on Netflix they basically open source this shit to the world and said we made this fucking do whatever you want with it because we know y'all trade accounts out there that's the only reason i'm not like super hard on this but but was this necessary no it wasn't it was it it was a mediocre peewee movie if any the only thing that this did was remind you to go watch more peewee Interestingly enough, I'm going to say yes, it was necessary because of exactly what you just said. Uh Um, It was it was made with care. Uh, Like I said, I was a little disappointed in how it ended up turning out. But this brings Pee Wee back. We there was a there was a Broadway play not too long ago that brought him back in there. But the reach of a Broadway play versus the reach of a Netflix movie even is just so vastly different. And if this is the way that we have to get people thinking about Pee Wee Herman again, that we have to make people forget that Paul Rubens was a quote unquote, like scumbag, which he wasn't. If this is how we have to do it, then yeah, fuck it. This is what we get. Then I, I will. Was this, was this necessary as a movie? No. Was it necessary to get Pee Wee back into my life? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it to that. So my so question to I you say, is, yes, my, it was my, necessary. My question then to, to counter that or some yeah. devil's advocate, this movie came out three years ago. It didn't really, there hasn't been, it's not like a show spun off. It's not mm-hmm. like there's been other things going on with Pee Wee three years later. People aren't talking about it. So that's kind of why I kind of went towards the no. Like it didn't, I don't think it worked. I think they wanted it to be more than what it did. Um, I think if they had done a theatrical release and promoted it harder, I, I don't think it was promoted enough. I don't think that um, they did a lot with it. I think it was open source, which means a lot of people probably saw it, but I don't know if it got the buzz. And that's why that's why I give my no answer. Yeah, um, that's I, fair. I, fair, I very much expected you to say that this was very necessary. Yeah, that's I, why I laughed. I wouldn't I, say very necessary, but I, I think it was necessary. That's why I laughed when you said we don't yeah. we weren't going to disagree. So no, yeah, this is yeah. good. This is good. I, I like um, that. So uh, as uh, those of you that listened to our last episode know now, um, we always announce what we're going to do at the end of, for the next show, uh, at the end of the show. And what we started doing was a new thing where we used to always just trade off picks. And now we're actually surprising each other by telling each other at the end of the show. So this week, Paul gets to tell me what he has chosen for our next shows. And you will get to hear me react to this well not live technically but as live as you can get with the podcast as to what we're doing next so paul hit me with it what is our next episode going to be on oh our next classic will be a jamie lee curtis classic going a lot of different ways there not that one horror fans no not that one we're gonna do we're gonna do freaky friday folks we're gonna bring (laughs) we're gonna bring you some freaky friday i will admit this is this is by full request of my wife um, oh. Who would like to? Who would like to see us uh, <laughs> do a movie that she that she actually likes? I think she just she, really wants a Lindsay Lohan vehicle on here, doesn't uh, she? <laughs> you know what? I actually would tell you, I'm pretty sure she likes the original one more. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna we're gonna start some shit with some Freaky Friday. Uh, trust me, I'll tell you later. But it was better than the other one I was gonna do. All right. Um, 
Great. Well, I guess tune in with us next time where we tackle and ask, was it really necessary about Freaky Friday? For everybody here, I'm Zach Buell. And I'm Paul Abishan. Thank you so much for listening. Like, subscribe, rate us. We love you guys. Talk to you later. (laughs)